0: Welcome, this is a message from Victory Church. We trust you'll be inspired and encouraged by today's message. And I want to share a a topic that uh, most people are not very comfortable with. I've called my message today, The Art of Godly Confrontation. I'm going to ask a question by way of starting tonight. Who here enjoys confrontation? Who here woke up this morning and said, I just can't wait to confront somebody on something, anything. I just can't wait for the opportunity. Anyone can't see one hand? No one likes confrontation. No one wants to do confrontation. And yet we find ourselves in situations where confrontation is so necessary we have some noise up here what is that how about instead of just looking at me if we can sort that out that'd be fantastic can we get on to that there we go beautiful look at that the power of the mic I tell you the mic always wins Crystal found out that recently apparently a relationship started I just I was just prophesying and I looked on Facebook and there's something official now I don't know what that's about it's just the power of the mic there we go People often think, you know, how how embarrassing. No, no, that's me giving my approval. That's me endor. That's me endorsing something. That, that's me that I say, wow, that, that's beautiful. That's great. That's wonderful. And maybe if I'm silent about a relationship, maybe there's something in that too. Anyways, let's get back to what I was saying. The art of godly confrontation. Here's a few things just to um, just wet your whistle, confrontation is key. I don't have time to go into all this, but you've got to understand, confrontation is key. Secondly, confrontation is your friend. Confrontation is not personal. See, here's the problem with confrontation. Most of us think, when we think about confrontation, we think personal. It gets personal. And the reason it is personal for many people is because we don't confront soon enough. This is what happens more often than not somebody says something, somebody does something to upset us. And it doesn't have to be much. That's what I've learned. It doesn't have to be much to upset people. But somebody does something, somebody says something that upsets you. And instead of you going to that person very soon in the piece, the moment you find out about it, extend the benefit of the doubt and ask some questions, we sit on it, we stew on it, And then we blurt to somebody else about the situation. The person who's in question may not even know what they've done. But we're now having a conversation about that person unbeknownst to them. And here's the thing. God has built us in such a way that we're not meant to hold on to or carry those things. But because we've blurted, we feel like, I feel better for that. And while we may feel emotionally better about that for a moment, we haven't dealt with the issue. And so for a moment, there's, there's, there's some relief, but we still haven't addressed the issue. And as time goes on, that person can't seem to do anything right from now on. We've had people leave churches over this. We've had people leave marriages over this. We've had people split their families over this. And, and when you say, why don't you just talk to them? I can't, I can't. And it's just become too personal. It's become too hard because they just didn't do what we're encouraged to do in Matthew is just go to your brother in love, extending the benefit of the doubt, and say, hey, hey! when I said hello to you and you didn't uh, acknowledge me, were you ignoring me? Or did you just not see me? But this is what we tend to do. We go, oh, I can't believe it. I waved to Tony and he didn't even say anything to me. Has that ever happened to you? So that's, that happened to me just the other day. Who does he think he is? In the meantime, me and my short-sightedness have no idea what just happened. We've had people leave the church over that because I didn't wave to them in the plaza. I don't see anything in the plaza. Everything's a blur. You've got to understand that. Unless you're here, I'm not going to see you. Unless I just walk around like, hi, hi, hello, hello, just in case, which you'll probably end me up in a loony asylum somewhere. Hello, 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 hello. Hi, how you doing? How you doing? I pointed to my wife. It's like, how you doing? And so when we think confrontation, we think personal. It's not personal. Confrontation, it's just a conversation. It's just talking to people. I need to confront you about something that's bothering me. I said hello to you the other day. You didn't acknowledge me. Did you see me? That's, a, that's confrontation in its purest form. It's that simple. It's just a conversation. It doesn't have to be a, a massive, full-blown argument because that's what we think when we think confrontation. We think shouting. We think argument. We think road rage. We think punching and kicking and breaking windows and, 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 and kicking holes in walls and kicking the cat. That's what we think. That's, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about us having the conversations we need to sooner than we do. It's not personal. Confrontation brings clarity. It's a beautiful thing. Ah, oh, so you just didn't see me. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah. So you're saying you're blind. Yes. Oh, awesome. <laughs> it's clear. It may not be clear for me. I'll still be short-sighted. But in that moment, it'll be clear for you. It's a beautiful thing. It brings clarity and it stops us getting out of position. It stops us fighting other people's battles. You know, when you don't confront somebody and you start blurting to everyone else, in the end, someone else has to get out of their position to do what you should have done and have these conversations. Think about this, parents, just for a minute. Can you imagine if little Johnny went to little Susie and said, look, I'm sorry, I kicked you. But what happens, parents have to stop being parents and they have to get out of their position and do what the kids should have done in the first place. And it just slows things down. So confrontation is a beautiful thing. Say it's a beautiful thing. It is, it's a beautiful thing. So we're going to look at it today and I want to read from Genesis and Genesis is the first book in the Bible and uh, you can read uh, on your iPad, iPhone or Bible or on the screen and I want to read of the account where God confronts Adam and Eve after they had done something they should not have done. Let's look at how God handles the situation and see if we can't learn something from that tonight. How does that sound? So Genesis chapter three, verse eight says, Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord called to the man, Where are you? He answered. I heard you in the garden and I was afraid because we were naked. So I hid. He said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from that tree I commanded you not to eat from? The man said, the woman, how's this? This is, this is unbelievable. The husband is blaming the wife. Are there any wives that I can get a witness from? You want to put your hand up. But you also want to be a good wife. Hey, let's keep it real, keep it big, keep it great. Here's Adam. He blames the woman. He goes, uh, It was the woman you gave me. Is that woman? He blames the woman. The woman you put here with me, she gave me some fruit from the tree and I ate it. Then the Lord God said to the woman, What is this you have done? The woman said, um, the serpent, she blames the serpent. It's kind of like husband blames wife, wife blames kids, kids blame the dog, the dog blames the cat, the cat blames the mouse. <laughs> Nothing's changed. Don't tell me the Bible's irrelevant. Um, the serpent uh, deceived me and I ate. So the Lord said to the serpent, Because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock and all wild animals. You will crawl on your belly and you will eat the dust all the days of your life. And I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. And he will crush your head and you will strike his heel. This is the first mention of the Messiah, the Christ, the one that is to come to bring redemption for God's people. Verse 16, he says, To the woman, he said, I will make your pains in childbearing very severe. That's where the pain came from, ladies. Sorry about that. With painful labor, you will give birth to your children. Your desire will be for your husband and he will rule over you. To Adam, he said, because you listen to your wife, which if you read into, could advocate don't listen to your wives, but I'm not saying that. Because you listened to your wife and ate the fruit from the tree which I commanded you not to, you, uh, cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil, you will eat food from it all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles for you, and you will eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your brow, you will eat your food until you return to the ground, since from it you were taken. For dust you are, and to dust you will return. There's a few things I want to look at. Out of this account this evening that will hopefully help us become better at confrontation. And who better to learn from than God Himself? And so, in looking at the art of godly confrontation, it requires a few things, and they all start with I. I'm gonna make this real easy to remember. Four things that start with I. The first thing we see in this account is intuition. Everyone say intuition. In other words, God knew something was wrong before He knew something was wrong. In other words, He hadn't spoken to Adam. He hadn't spoken to Eve, but He knew there was something wrong. Some of you might say, well, right, He's God. Here's the thing, we have God in us. And the same God that has this intuition wants to give us that intuition. And I believe He does. I believe we don't give God enough credit where credit is due. How many of you as parents have ever had that thought? What are my kids doing? You don't know what's going on, but you know something's going on. And more specifically, you know it's not good. You think, hang on, I can't hear the kids. Why is it so quiet? And this is what God has done. He's like, um, what, what's, what's going on? There's something going on. He has the ability to pick up on things, even though he doesn't know things. And yet God is all-knowing. God wants to help us deal with people, because like I said before, we're in the people business and give us insight into people's situations But half the time we're too busy to pick up on the nudgings and the leadings and the guidings and the directings of God. You know, I I, I have never heard the audible voice of God. I've never heard God speak. In other words, you know, even as I go away and seek God's face, I've never heard God say, Tony, I want you to go and speak to that person. I've never heard that. But I have had some impressions, some thoughts, some, some leanings, some urgings to go and do some things I would not have otherwise done had I had not had that inside nudging, that gut feel. Have any of you ever thought like, oh, I, 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 did I leave the iron on? Now I know there's not a man in the place who's ever thought that, but, <laughs> but ladies, you know what I'm saying? Have I, or, or, you know, maybe for the guys, did I, did I, did I leave the telly on? Have you read that thought, Like, hang on, and you said that that thing that arrests you? I believe that's God trying to get our attention because he wants to protect us and he wants to love us. See, my concern as we do life together is that we can learn lots of things but not learn the essential things. We go to school and we learn to read books. But one thing we don't learn to read is people. We don't learn to read the situation. I always tell our our people who stand up here and preach and do platform ministry to learn to read the room. It's no good you singing, having a ball up here if no one's engaged. My question all the time, whether I'm preaching, whether I'm leading worship, (laughs) or whatever it is I'm doing, I want to know, is there a connection? I've been in many church services where there's singing, but there's no connecting going on. I've been in plenty of meetings where there's preaching, but there's no connecting going on. And the reason I know that is because you've got the ability to read a room. And these are things that life can teach you, not necessarily a schoolroom or a classroom. And if we're going to become the parents that we need to be, if we're going to become the husband or the wife that we need to be, if we're going to become the mates that we need to be or the girlfriends to one another that we need to be, It's going to start with intuition. Wouldn't it be great if we had a church of people that could just say, Hey, Norm, how are you going? I'm fine. Seriously, you don't look yourself. Is anything up? Now You could be wrong, but it's not going to hurt just asking the question. If if he's in a great place, he's going to say, I'm fine, but thanks for asking. This is what we call a win-win. If he's in a good place, he'll say, no, seriously, dude, I'm fine. So you can't you can't lose. The very minimum, he's gonna think, wow, he's got my back. He's, he's, he's looking after me. But if he's in a bad place, he's gonna say, wow, thanks for noticing. That's confrontation. I'm, I'm just confronting Norm on how he's feeling. It's not hard. It's not hard. So it starts with intuition. Secondly. It takes initiative. Everyone say initiative. First of all, we see God know something before he knows something. And then we see that God takes the initiative to go to Adam and Eve. Do you know why? Because they were in hiding. They're not coming out. This notion that if if, if they want to speak, they'll come to me, it doesn't work. That'd be like your children, those that have kids. And maybe those, you know. so I don't lose everyone in this room, those who don't have kids and are kids, think about it from your perspective. Are you going to go to mum and dad if you've done the wrong thing? I mean, for if if all the parents in here, wouldn't that make our job easy? Can you imagine? Mickey breaks the window and then says, hey, dad, I just want you to know, I broke the window, I'm really sorry, and here's the money. How, how, that's not parenting. That's just, that's a miracle. I mean, that's just awesome. Now, when people do the wrong things, they go into hiding. And that's why, you know, if, if you've been missing from church for a week or two or three or four, you might get a phone call from us. Not because we're checking up on you, but we just genuinely care. Can you imagine as, as God's walking in, the, in the, the cool of the evening and Adam and Eve, oh, God's checking up on us. <laughs> or maybe he just cares. Maybe he just loves Adam and Eve. Maybe your connect group leader or your pastor just loves you enough to ring you. Maybe there's that going on. Maybe not just checking up on you. Maybe we love you. How about that for a thought? Let's keep it real. Let's keep it big. Let's keep it great. Maybe you've got people in this room that actually love you. God loves Adam and he loves Eve and he initiates because he knows they're not coming to him. See, there are some in the room that, you know, make things happen. There are others in the room that watch things happen. And there are others here tonight that just wonder what on earth just happened. (laughs) And I want us to become a people that make things happen. God made things happen. We need to make things happen. So it takes intuition. It takes initiative. And thirdly, it takes a little bit of investigation. This next point blows my mind. Here's the God of the universe, the all-knowing, sovereign, providential God who called all things into existence. And instead of going on the attack he asks Adam and Eve three questions. Three questions that he has the answer for. But he asks the question. His first question as he's walking in the call of the evening is, um, Adam, Eve, where are you? Now God's not having a bad day. God He's not like me as a father who's actually lost his kids. God has not lost his kids. Are there any parents out there who have actually lost their kids? Any parents out there who have lost every one of their kids at different times? Me and Simon, awesome. Anyone lost their kids more than once? Me and Simon, we're like kindred spirits, dude. No, no, God, God knows exactly where they are. I don't know if you've ever played hide and seek as a kid or with your kids this is how kids play hide and seek we do this with Bailey not so much Jordan and Mitchell they're a bit older now but this is, they used to do the same thing but BJ she's six and she wants to play hide and seek and so I go I'm going to count to ten and I want you to hide and so I go one two and she's standing there she hasn't moved <laughs> so many places to hide I can't. I'm like I have to slow down my counting five. Six. Hurry up, girl. Hide. What about out? nine, eight, nine. Am I in camera? So you can see me. Huh. Oh, I thought it was hiding. And this is what the kids do, they, they, they think this is hiding. And a good dad, 10, coming, ready or not, I wonder where Bailey can be. She's like this <laughs> the thing's moving. <laughs> I can see her, I can hear her, I can see the pulpit moving. And I'm going, Bailey! Where are you? At that moment, I know where she is. When God is saying to Adam and Eve, Where are you? They're like this. In other words, (laughs) (laughs) He knows where they are. He's not having a bad day. Can you imagine Adam and Eve? He doesn't know where we are. (laughs) Now, he knew where they were. But he was asking a question for them to know where they were at. What he was saying is this, Adam, where are you at? Because just yesterday, you came out and greeted me. The day before that, you came out and greeted me. The day before that, do you remember the day before that, man? Remember that walk we had? Remember the laugh, fits of laughter? Remember that? You were rolling around on the lawn and you just laughing your head off. And because you're naked and said, whoa, watch it, you might lose, you know, just, whoa, just. <laughs> easy does it, fella, just, that's just, mate. Remember that day, Adam? So what's changed? What's changed? Where are you? What, what's changed in our relationship that you no longer want to come and spend time with me? What's changed in our relationship? And so they come out of hiding. No, Adam. Eve's <laughs> like... This is, we hid, this is their answer, because we were naked. God asks his second question now. Um, Adam, Eve, who told you you were naked? Now God knew at that moment who told them. But he was gathering information in order to help them find out where they were at. And then he asked his third question: "You, um, you didn't eat from that tree. I told you not to, did you?" Three questions: Where are you? Who told you you were naked? You didn't eat from that tree that I told you not to, did you? God knows the answer to every one of those questions. But he leaves us a pattern to follow when it comes to confrontation. Get your information straight. We have someone spread a lie or a rumor and we run with it. We don't bother finding out any information. We don't even want to know the real story. We just love this gossip. We don't even care if it's true. We just love the thought of it being true. God who is all-knowing, he's sovereign, he's a providential God, and he leaves us a pattern in scripture to follow. Get your information first. Where are you? Who told you we are naked? You haven't eaten from the tree, have you? Having gathered all the information, it says then, in verse 13, then the Lord spoke. God could have gone in, into the garden. Adam, get out from behind that tree. I know what you've done. Yeah. He didn't. But he confronts them on their nakedness he confronts them on their hiding he confronts them on what they did it's still confrontation and when he gathers all information then he speaks and this is what he speaks he speaks consequence there's a consequence now he speaks a consequence for the woman the serpent and the man and he also brings a solution In verse 15, he talks about a Messiah, a man who's going to come and redeem you. Three questions. Then he speaks. And what he speaks is consequence and solution. Every one of you in this room can do this. This is not for the elite few. It will take courage, though. But we have an incredible pattern in Scripture, I believe, to follow. And for some of you who don't fully understand what the word care means, particularly pastoral care, let me just break down the word care for you as an acronym. C, correction. A, adjustment. R, rebuke. E, encourage. If you want genuine care, it's going to mean correction. It's going to mean adjustment. It's going to mean rebuke. And it will mean encouragement. Paul, who was like a mentor, a spiritual life coach, a man of God, wrote much of the New Testament. He wrote a letter to Timothy. Timothy was a young man, a man that he was mentoring. And this is the advice that he gave to this young man that he was spending a lot of time with. He says, Timothy, preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke and encourage with great patience. Oh, and careful instruction. He knew what it was to care for people. It involves correction, adjustment, rebuke, and there's some encouragement. But two-thirds of Paul's advice is correction and rebuke. If you want to bring people through, you're not going to always tell them what they want to hear. In actual fact, two-thirds of the time, you're not going to be able to tell them what they want to hear. Two-thirds of the time, it's going to be correction and rebuke. Oh, there'll be some encouragement, but it's correction and rebuke. Do you know how few people, or sorry, do you know how few, how few people, (laughs) I'm tongue-tied. There are far too few of God's people that understand what true biblical care is. We think care is do what you want to do, act like the most immature, irrational person on earth, See a pastor, and they'll say, there, 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 it's okay, Jesus loves you. That's not pastoring. We've got too many parents that are doing that to their kids. And look at the result. God did not say, there, there, there. He spoke into this, and he said, there's a consequence now. And ever since that day, every woman who's ever bore a child has experienced the pain of labor. And men have experienced the workforce and the labor that that involves. There's a consequence, but there's also a solution. And even at the very first confrontation, he points them to Jesus. It's an amazing thing. And my last eye tonight is simply information. You see, everything I've been able to share t- with you today, I can only do so because it was written down and the information was passed on. And so when my wife has to deal with our kids, she'll inform me of what she's done and how she's handled it so we're on the same page. It's good parenting. We don't just do something and don't pass on the information. There are certain things that happen in this church and we have certain people that are called elders and leaders and and we pass on information so that we can care for, pray and love. Not, Not out of gossip, but so that we can ensure people are getting the necessary care, correction, adjustments. And so if you don't understand this, You can make a family, a church, an organization like this one out to be a cult because you don't understand what care looks like. Because you don't understand what confrontation looks like. Confrontation is an absolute must. It brings clarity. Without confrontation, we will live in darkness. God wants us. To be able to go to our brothers, our sisters, our husbands, our wives, our children, our mates, our girlfriends, whatever. And just have these godly uh, confrontations, which is nothing more than a conversation. Can you see that? If we would do this instead of sitting on it and stewing on it for years, can, can you see how different life would be? Can you imagine the job of pastors? It would, it would be reduced so that we can get on with the job of leading and not just doing things that others should do. I, I don't know if I'm aiming too high, I, but I've got to believe. I've got to believe that we can do this. If I don't believe that this could actually be a reality, I might as well give up today. The reality, the harsh reality is very few people. Very few people do this. Very few. And that's got to change. So I'm going to invite the musicians up. I want to pray for us tonight. Because I believe if we could get this area of our lives right it would eradicate probably 80 to 90% of all of our problems. It, it's that massive a deal. It's that big a deal. If we could just get this one area right, it's, it's amazing. You know, big doors swing on little hinges, if you notice that. Massive doors just on the hinges, really. This is one of those little things that can turn your, you can have a massive effect in your life. If we would just put this into practice, how could some of this look? Let's go back over our notes. As a pastor, intuitively, so-and-so, where's so so-and-so, I haven't seen them for a while. Not because their absence makes me look bad, but because I genuinely care. And so we phone and say, hey, how you doing? Haven't seen you for a while. It's a question. How you doing? How's things? Imagine that they just blurt out, I can still be a Christian. I don't have to go to church. I can jump down their throat and say, that's a load of rubbish, which it is. Or I could say, who told you that? It's another question. Oh, you, you, you haven't been hanging around so-and-so, have you? Gather the information, and then I can speak. So, let, let's look at what the Bible says. Let's look at the life of Jesus. Let's, let's forget about what people said for a minute. Let's just look at life. Can you see how easy it works? Can you see that? All of a sudden what he said and she said and what I think and what I feel is made redundant. Imagine parents doing this. I love my son, Mitch. I love all my kids. But Mitch is super intuitive. Always has been. From the age of two, I called him Mr. Observant. I was putting him to bed the other night. He says, Dad, what's up? You look sad. And just him noticing that brought a smile on my face. And because I believe in keeping it real, I said, yeah, I'm a bit sad. But thanks for noticing. I didn't then burden him with what I was sad about. Because he doesn't need to know. But I was real. I acknowledged his intuition. I acknowledged his perception. But I said, thanks for noticing. It's not hard. Confrontation is our friend. It's not the enemy. It's a godly, beautiful thing. Oh, this church would be so much better so much bigger, so much greater, so much more real. A heap more fun with a little bit of naughty. If we could just do this. Now, I'm going to ask you to do this knowing that you've never done it before for the most part. So it's not going to come naturally and it's not going to come easy. But we've got to approach this like we would a new sport, an instrument, a new job. It's going to take time. I'd love to be able to wave a magic wand, but I want to pray a prayer of those who are willing to make a commitment to the change that is needed to get this area of their life right. Jordan is learning singing. Mitchy's learning guitar. Bj's learning netball. They've had practice. It doesn't mean they're brilliant at it yet. It just means they've made a commitment and it's ongoing practice. It's going to get them to where they want to go. If you would be so bold as to say, Tony, I've heard what you've said. It terrifies me because we're all about keeping it real. But I want to become good at this confrontation. Will you pray for me? Why don't you stand right now? Without taking this prayer as a magical formula, without making this prayer an event, this this prayer is a moment that we need to add a process to. And you have the notes to go back over again and again and again to keep the process happening. But your girlfriends, ladies, they need you to do this. Your mates, guys, they need you to do this. Parents, your kids need you to get this right. We need to get this right. This is the end of the message. Thank you for taking the time to listen and God bless.